Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to, to gather together, Father, to worship you. Father, as we move forward with this service, I pray that everything done and said will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Father, I pray that you watch over us to guard, guide, and direct everything that we do and say. And Father, we pray for open hearts and open minds as this message goes out, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So a uh, pastor was preaching one Sunday on um, living your funeral. And so three guys were in the back. It was a, a businessman and a teacher and a farmer. And they got to talking about what do, they want, what do you want them to say about your funeral if you died tomorrow. And the businessman said, well, I want them to say that I was generous and I always did what was right and I was kind. And the teacher said, well, I want them to say that I did a good job teaching and, and guiding my people and that I was a good husband. And they turned around and looked at the farmer and they said, well, what do you want them to say at your funeral? He said, I want him to say, look, he moved. <coughs> Mr. Bobby supplied that. I, I changed it around a little bit, but that's, thank you, Mr. Bobby. All right, so what we're going to talk about this week, obviously, is, is Easter, right? And we're going to talk about the, last week we talked about the prelude, the setting up, the, the Palm Sunday as Jesus comes victorious in Jerusalem. And between Sunday and, and today, lots of things have happened, right? He's been through some trials. He ate some dinner. He prayed in the garden. Um, he was betrayed by a friend. He was held into a, um, into a kangaroo court in a fake trial to where he was convicted of some, some things that was not true. And he was sentenced to death, right? So to get to there, I mean, in, in one week, in one week, he went from Hosanna, praise to the king, we lost the popularity contest, right? Because Pilate asked, who would you rather have? It was a popularity contest. Y'all ever lost a popularity contest like you never didn't get voted class president or homecoming queen or Mr. Popular or whatever y'all vote? I don't even know what you, like the coolest friend, right? So he went from Hosanna, praise to the king, to losing the popularity contest to a known insurrectionist and murderer, right? That's pretty tough. And you say, well, sometimes when, when I lose... You know, well, what did that person do that I didn't do? Did they have good grades? Did they, did they you know, did they kiss up to the teacher? Whatever. Why did I lose? But Jesus lost his popularity contest. And after he did, well, things kind of spiraled out of control really quick, right? Like really quick. Like from Hosanna praise to the king, praying in the garden, to losing the popularity contest, to being beaten with a cat of nine tails 39 times, and we're going to talk about that, and, and my kids hate it, and I'm sorry, but it's a, it's a visual I need you to understand and feel and smell and, and, and get, right? And then he had a, a, a crown of thorns crammed down into the top of his head, down to the bone, right? And then he was led away to be crucified on a cross, and, and we just sang it, the old rugged cross. But, but, you know, when we think about rugged cross, we look at this old weathered, no, this was like a tree that was, you know, had splinters and sticks and stuff sticking out of it, and it was, it was pretty rough, right? And on the cross, he was nailed in his hands and his feet, you know, right? And he's held at a certain angle, right? All right, so let's go back to the beating first. So the cat of nine tails is a whip that had uh, nine fingers that came out the end of the whip that was leather, and it was braided. 
And they took the braid, and then what they did is, is they took little pieces of bone and glass and steel, right? All the pieces of the pieces of stuff, and they wove it into the, into the fingers of the cat and nine tails, right? So when you got hit with the whip, I mean, anybody in here ever been beat with a whip? Yeah, I didn't think so. So we don't really have the understanding of getting beat with a whip with just like one lash. Now, when we were little kids, we used to be Indiana Jones, and every once in a while you get hit with a whip, and it didn't feel so good. But this whip is more of a, a big ball, a knot, and then these nine fingers stick out of it with bone and glass and shards of stuff. And what it does is, is when it hits you, it sticks, right? And those bones and sharp pieces of rock and things stick, and then the person who was doing the beating snatches down on it. So basically, if you could take the meat and remove it from the bone. So as they were beating him, 39 times he got hit with this, it would stick each time and then be raked against the bone, right? And then again, and then again. And this probably didn't take two minutes, right? It's not like the spankers mama gave him. You better behave before I cut your behind. Yeah, that, them kind of spanking is not that. They were mocking him and spitting on him and torturing him. Now, most folks in that situation are helpless, right? I mean, think about it. If you're tied up against the wall and you're being beat with a cat and nine, what are you going to do? What exactly are you going to do? But you don't control the armies of heaven either. So he was... He was not helpless. He was there on his own accord. I mean, y'all ever been in the middle of a spanking and just said, you know what, that's enough. I don't want any more, thanks. I'm done. I will be done now. He could have. He could have walked away at any moment in time. At any point in time, he could have said, now, you know what, I don't want no more of this. No thanks. I'm done. I'm out. So he was beaten and tortured and mocked and spit on for you. You ever been in trouble and got like your sibling in trouble and then they got a spanking for something you did? Just a spanking, like, you know, like a fly swatter or a flip-flop, you know, something, something nice, polite. Not, not a cat of nine tails, not, not something that is ripping the, physically ripping the meat away from the bone, right? But he did it and he did it on purpose and he did it for you, right? <clears throat> so after he was beaten, and he had these thorns crammed into his head, right? He was hung on the cross. And, and you know, he was prophesied that he was going to redeem us from the curse, but cursed is any man who was hung on a tree. And that was only written like 800 years before the Romans decided that a cross was a really cool way to kill people. But the reason the cross is such a great way to kill people is, you know, if you beheaded them or if you just ran them through, it lasts just a few seconds, and then everybody, and then it's over. But the cross is not like that. The cross actually kills you by suffocating you. Did y'all know that? It's actually a death of suffocation. So what happens is, is the nails in your feet, when you get tired enough or hurt enough that you slump down, your hands go up above your head and, and cuts off your oxygen to your lungs. So you can't breathe anymore. So what happens is, is your body jerks back alive and awake. You can't pass out from the pain. And you get grasp just another breath, just long enough to live for a few more seconds to be tortured. 
before you slump back down again and the air is cut back off to your oxygen again. And this goes on for a while. It's not a five-minute ordeal. I mean, y'all think I'm probably going to preach for, what, 30 minutes? That's just the beginning on the cross. This is hours and hours and hours and hours. In fact, it gets so long that a lot of times, like, they break people's legs where they can't stand up anymore. They go there with a bat and break their legs where they can't stand up anymore because they're tired of, you know, they go like, okay, this ain't fun anymore. We've got to find a different way. So what I have explained in the last four and a half, five minutes is probably the worst 24 hours on the planet by a human that I have a written account of. Horrible situation. Absolutely terrible Beaten, mocked, spit on, tortured, hung on a cross, mocked on the cross, fighting for breath, right? As these giant nails have been driven through your body against this terrible wood thing that's behind you. Oh, yeah, your back is still torn all to shreds because it hadn't had time to heal. That just happened, right? So all of this has taken place, right? So I want to go to Scripture now. Um, it, you know, the, 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 it's like the birth, right? The birth of Christ in, in, in Palm Sunday. There is a really good cohesiveness in the Gospels, right? They line up. They mirror each other. But sometimes one Gospel talks more about stuff than the other. So the Gospel according to Luke talks a little bit more about um, the beginning, Right? So, if you will, turn with me to Gospel according to Luke, uh, chapter 23, and in verse 32. Because Jesus wasn't the only guy crucified that day. And the two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. <clears throat> one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, think about the worst 24 hours of your life. Whether you were sick, or you broke a bone, or you lost a loved one, or you wrecked your car, or you lost a job. Think about it. The worst 24 hours of your life. And the first recorded thing they have written down that you said is, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Now, how many of y'all have that opinion when you get to there? When you get to the worst 24 hours of your life, when everything is wrong, you're hurting, you're beating down, you feel bad, everybody's turned their back on you, you feel like you against the world, you go, Lord, just forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Y'all don't, don't do that? Oh, I, I don't either. I just was trying to make you feel like you weren't going to be the only person with your hand raised. So in the worst possible scenario ever the first written words is father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing now by definition um that's that's grace right and so the, the title of today's uh sermon is grace from the cross so in the worst possible situation you can be in the where he is being beaten and tortured and crucified he's full of grace now, two guys that are with him, 
Well, they're criminals, right? Y'all know that, right? Those, those are criminals. So did they deserve what they were getting? Ah, maybe. I don't know what they did. But it's a possibility, right? I mean, if you break the rules, they had, there is consequences, right? If you go on, you know, shoot up somewhere, they're probably going to kill you, right? If you, you hurt somebody that's innocent and helpless, um, we're gonna, they're going to hunt you down and kill you, right? But Jesus was in the situation holy and blameless. He hadn't committed any sin. He hadn't committed any crime. He hadn't done anything to deserve this. That's a tough place to be in. That's a tough place to be where you're getting punished for you doing absolutely nothing. In fact, I would bet most of us are never really in this situation because it's really hard to do absolutely nothing wrong. Yet here he is in the worst situation possible, being beaten and tortured and crucified on the cross for you. You deserve this. You earned the stripes. You earned the beating. You earned the crown of thorns. You earned the cross. You earned death and hell. And so for the sacrifice of atonement to be made, right, Christ goes there holy and blameless to endure the worst possible outcome, really, on the planet for you. <clears throat> uh, skip down with me to um, uh, verse 38. So we're still, in the same, we're still in Luke 23, verse 38. And there was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Can't you, can't you fix this? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turned and said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now there's a video. Y'all seen the video? Who's seen the video? There's a video going around social media. Y'all haven't seen it? It's an old pastor, and he's talking about this guy right here. This guy right here. The guy on the cross. What happened when he showed up to heaven? And it's kind of a joke, but it's not. And I'm going to share it. It's not mine, but I'm going to share it anyway. And he said, can you imagine what happened when this guy showed up in heaven? The thief on the cross. And the angel said, hey, okay, what are you, what are you doing here? He says, I, I, don't, I don't really know. But, but who sent you here? Well, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, well, what's your understanding of the, the principles of grace? And, and you haven't been baptized, and, and you, you haven't attended a Bible study, and, and how do you think you're supposed to be here? And he was like, I really don't know. And the angel says, well, hold on, let me go get my supervisor. The supervisor angel comes back and goes, look, look, you've got to have some fundamental knowledge of what's taking place here. I mean, how do you think that you get to come to heaven? And the guy said, I really don't know. I don't have any idea. Well, why are you here? 
And he said, the only thing I can tell you is the guy on the middle cross said I could come. That's it. The guy on the middle cross said I could come. I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't attend enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't do anything. The grace of God is, is the guy on the middle cross said I get to come. <clears throat> Let me tell you. If you were faced with the same situation and you were asked the same question, if your response starts off in first person and says, I, you've already failed the test. You have done nothing to deserve heaven. The guy on the middle cross said I could come. He died for my sins. He put himself in my place. He took my torture. He paid my penalty. He said I get to come. <clears throat> oh. Well, I wrote it down, but I didn't write it down. Hold on one second. Uh, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Um, chapter 2 and verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or in sin, for it is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, but a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If the answer is anything besides the guy on the middle cross said, I got to come here, is absolutely false. Now, we do have some personal responsibility. The gift of grace that is salvation, we do have to accept it. We have to ask him to come in our heart and be our savior, right? And that's the extent of our part. We don't have any ability to save ourselves past then. Now, it is always the question mark right here. Well, then why should I come to church? Or why should I try to be a better Christian? <clears throat> because he loved me so much that I want to do everything I can do <clears throat> to represent him as best as humanly possible. So why do we want to come to church and why do we strive to be better Christians and why do we work on us and why do we renew our mind? It's not whether or not we're going to heaven, right? The idea of going to heaven <coughs> is a simple little transaction that took place on the cross. You can come. Thank you, boss. Past that, our goal then is, now look, the guy on the, the, guy on the cross, I don't know if it was left or right, they don't really specify if it was with this guy or that guy but whichever guy it was 
he didn't have a really good testimony, right? He didn't have an opportunity to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't have an opportunity to go lay hands on the sick. He didn't have an opportunity to live his life for Christ, right? Why? Because he was really close to the end when he got accepted. However, we, on the other hand, we still have that opportunity. By grace, we were saved. And how stingy would it be to walk around with that grace and that grace knowledge and keep it to ourselves? See, that's the call on the Christian. It's not that you are going to heaven because you were good and you, you shared your testimony. and It has nothing to do with that. It is that I receive such an extraordinary gift of grace that it is on the tip of my tongue with every opportunity I get to share that same gift of grace. Hosea says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. <clears throat> I've, I've had a kind of a crazy week. I, I've talked to people that met tons of people that I didn't know, met some people I was supposed to know. You don't know, I'm not real good with that, meeting people and remembering their names and stuff. And, and I actually got a couple compliments. It was kind of crazy that you know, they, they watched this on, on, on the Facebook. And, that, and that's, you know, I like that. It makes me happy. And it makes me worry about what I had said in the conversation like two minutes before, right? Because you, you know I'm not perfect. And, and y'all aren't either. You can smile and laugh, but it's okay. We, we're on the same team. But it's that opportunity to tell people about the most amazing gift ever given. Because people don't know. People don't know. I was in a conversation this week, and I had a pretty basic conversation about Joshua. You know, it's not crazy. You know, Joshua and the ark, and they walked across the river, and it was dry. He was like, well, what? They walked across the river, and it was the river had dried up. I'm like, no, God stood the water up on its side, and they walked across the river. Are you kidding? I'm like, well, I mean, the river was pretty impressive, but, I mean, not so long ago, Moses and then walked across the entire Red Sea in the middle of it, and he was like, really? I never heard that in my life. I'm like, dude, you need to go to church. My four- and five-year-olds will tell you all about this. They will whoop your butt in this. And, and so we giggle and laugh, but we think about how lost is the world? How lost is the world? And, and, and look, I wasn't dropping like, I mean, I have some stuff that I can't preach because I ain't wrapped my head around it yet with, with Genesis 6 and some of the stuff that happened with Daniel and, and some pretty deep stuff that most of y'all would look at me like I'm real crazy, right? It wasn't none of that. It wasn't any of that conspiracy deep kind of conversations. It was Joshua who walked across the water and, it, and walked across the river and it was dry with the Ark of the Covenant. What's the Ark of the Covenant? Man, you really don't know, do you? So when we have the opportunity to share the grace, you know, we, we're not sharing grace from the worst possible scenario on the planet. We haven't just been beaten and tortured and, and spit on and mocked. All we did is reap the benefits of that. And if we reap the benefits of that, it should be our life goal to share said benefits. It is to be expanding the kingdom of God. All right, so back to Jesus on the cross. Sorry, rabbit hole. Um, you, you know he spoke five times. Did y'all know that he spoke five times? 
Um, so after he said tonight, you'll be with me in paradise, right? The next time he spoke, <clears throat> says near, uh, oh, ooh, oh, let's back up. A gospel according to John, um, chapter 19, in verse 25. Now, right before this, they had been casting lots to see who was going to get his, his clothes, right? Uh, so verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister. Now, I'm going to just tell you. I think I left this part out when I was trying to explain how also, awfully terrible this was going to be. See, you've been in, I've been in some bad situations, right? I've been in some fights. I've been in some stuff I wasn't supposed to be in. I've done some stupid stuff. But very rarely has it been in the witness of my mother. See, that makes it worse. Does that not make it worse? Think about the worst thing you've ever been through, and then put your mama right there watching it, and then having to watch her face. Right? Having to watch her cry, Lil. Having to watch all of what she's going through. That makes it worse for me. So here's Jesus. He's on the cross. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Now, the disciple of who he loved, right, this is John, right? John liked to, dis to explain himself. As that's the best way he knew how to set himself apart from the rest, right? That I am the disciple of Jesus most loved, right? All right. <clears throat> so worst possible scenario, worried about mama. You worried about my mama, too. And as I say in softball, yo mama too. Everything that was taken care of in this transaction, everything that had been taking place in the last 24 hours had a reason. Everything had a payment attached to it. And we know in 1 Peter 2.24 that it says that he was hung on the cross with our transgressions, and then by his stripes we were healed. And y'all know what them stripes are, right? That's where he was getting beat on his back, and the meat was torn away from his skin, right? That's our healing nailed to the cross. That's our salvation nailed to the cross. But everything he did had a reason. And here again, in the worst possible situation, Surrounded in the presence of his mother, at any moment in time, he still had the ability to say, no, I won't out. At any point in time, legions of angels were on standing on guard. And his grace for you and his love for you held him right there. At any point in time, he could have said, nope, I'm out. I don't want no more. I've had all the fun I can stand. Daddy, come get me. I don't want to be here no more. Y'all ever been in that situation where stuff got so bad, you call somebody like, hey, you got to come get me. I'm not staying here any longer. All he had to do was say. So what do he say next? Uh, skip down a couple verses. Oh, later knowing that everything had been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said that I am thirsty 
in a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it and put it on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now in the other, the other Gospels, it said, Father, receive my spirit. Now, there is a theological discussion on what it is finished means. It is finished means that, that everything Jesus was going to do was done. See, I, I disagree with that. He wasn't quite done yet. I believe that it is finished as, as the Old Testament was finished. Because when he said it is finished, the curtain of the, of the Holy of Holies, that's, you know, giant curtain, was ripped in two. And God left the Holy of Holies. The power of God left the Holy of Holies. The Old Testament ended when he said it is finished. But see, his torture and his, his event, his, his experience, it didn't finish. Because if you're going to pay my penalty, I earned death and hell. And when he said it is finished, that was just the first part. That was just death. And it's a big discussion, and people, you know, they want to fuss and get angry and back and forth. And there's lots of it going on. But if you want to buy me back, if you want to pay my whole penalty, if you want to do everything required to make me whole, to make me righteous, to make me clean, it also goes into the pits of hell. And today we celebrate him getting up and walking away. We won't get into the, whether it's death and hell today or not. But you need to understand the physical aspects of what took place on the cross. Because we don't really understand the, the spiritual things and the prophetic things. It's hard for us to really wrap our head around it, right? Depending on your level of Bible study, how hard it is to understand it. That every prophecy had to be true and they did this for a reason and they did that for a reason and this had been prophesied 800 years before. But what you can understand is the physical. The smell of blood drying on your skin. The feeling of having the flesh ripped away from your bones. The agony of standing. Y'all ever stepped on a sticker or on a nail? How bad that hurt? Think about Supporting all of your weight in that wound. That that's the only way you get to breathe. That you stand, I mean, I know some of y'all got on them high, high heels, right? Not on them, but think about if it was something sharp at the bottom of it. And you had to press down on it to hold your weight up just to breathe. See, the physical, we can explain well. And your imagination does the rest. Of how it felt to be beaten. To how it felt to be tortured. How it felt to be mocked and spit on. How it felt to have those thorns crammed down into the top of his skull through the meat. And that blood dripping down on his face. And as silly as it sounds, think about how it felt with that blood running down his face and the sweat running down his face with his arms held up on the cross. It's been hours and hours. It breaks my heart. <clears throat> but from the most 
brutal, horrible situation on the planet sprung up a fountain of grace. And the grace that that flows from that cross continues to flow today. It's still the reason that we celebrate Christianity. It's the reason that we celebrate today that he has raised from the dead. But the physical part of what he went through, knowing that it's for me, it's for me, lights my fire to do a better job of being a better Christian, to be a better witness, to be in, having a better testimony, to telling more people. Because one of those guys on his left and his right got to go to heaven. And the other one in, in the same witness went to hell. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for that sacrifice that was made on Calvary. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your grace that you gave us that salvation, that gift that cannot be earned and it cannot be bought. And we just give you the praise and honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.